Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on May 31st, 2015, on the basis of Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. Dear family in Christ, you who may not feel like you're full of life at this very moment, but the truth is, in Christ, in his word, you are full of life. Amen. I once saw a guy swallow a sword. Half an hour earlier, he pulled a a rabbit out of a top hat, and then he would eventually slice a woman right in half. And and he did, and everybody applauded. I couldn't believe it. Turns out that woman was just fine. Thank the Lord. She was doing okay. But once we found out she was okay, the show was over, and the curtain closed, and everybody, everybody went home. You're, kind of, you're left wondering, how they do that? How they do all that magic? I need an explanation. I, you're left waiting for something, the words to just explain it all. But they always say, that they say, a magician never reveals his, his tricks. Okay. For all of the, the magic or the, the showmanship, the bright lights of a magic show, it ends really quickly. People come to be entertained, and they leave without any real answers, and... They're okay with that somehow. Hocus pocus, abracadabra, enough said. You know, God was sort of like a a master magician that day when he led his prophet Ezekiel into this huge valley of bones. Yeah. It was through a fantastic vision and through his Holy Spirit, God actually paraded his prophet back and forth amongst these bones in a valley for him to see with his very own eyes. Kind of like asking an audience member to come up on stage, check out these bones, and then God actually asked Ezekiel that all-important question, Son of man, can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? It's kind of a weird part of scripture. It's just strange. And maybe, maybe you're even thinking, Ezekiel lived 2,500 years ago, what do we have to gain from a, a valley of dry bones? Great. Could you at least try to apply this to my life today? That's a really good question, honestly, because we're not interested in God as a mere magician. God couldn't just, he won't get away with just saying abracadabra. Or, Come to church, hope you're Christians, good luck. God can't get away with that. We, we need more from him. We need more from God, not just a few tricks or a, a sleight of hand. Well, thankfully, our God is great. He is gracious enough to provide us with the crucial explanation for for his magic, if you will. Thankfully, whenever God works his magic, he always takes care to include a special ingredient. It, It features in every performance. It's his special, essential ingredient. The ingredient is not a a trapdoor or smoke and mirrors or even a special vision that's only given to special people. The ingredient is the word. It's God's word. Nothing else. All of God's magic and his mystique and his difference-making ability, it's wrapped up in the word, that secret weapon of the Holy Spirit. And God prefers to use nothing else except the word to inject real life into, into our lives, into this often lifeless show. We could call it Life in the Year 2015. Just as, just as the Lord commanded Ezekiel to, to speak and then bring bones to life, God also breathes life today. He breathes life through his word. 
God's word breathes life. That's the theme. And God's word breathes life so that we can brace ourselves to face the trouble when it comes, the grim news, even death when it comes. We have life to face those things. God's word breathes life all the more to make us aware that we have eternal life coming. And all this life, it comes through Christ, through the word of Christ, nothing else. It seems pretty simple. It seems pretty straightforward. And it is. But you see, in, in Ezekiel's day, the nation of Israel, they were walking around, and they were doing pretty swell, and they were walking along confidently and, and comfortably. The catch was that they, they lost sight of God's word. And as a group, they just they forgot their spiritual livelihood. So they were walking around over confidently, and then smack, they walked into the class patio door. No more fancy houses, no more national power or security. Almost overnight, Babylonian captivity. Foreigners came in and invaded the whole nation. Godless Babylonians came in. Kind of, it was kind of like 9-11, but much, much worse. Um, families killed. Homes flattened. Their hope just was gone immediately. It evaporated in an instant. Poor, poor Israel. But never mind that for the first like 32 chapters of Ezekiel, God had sent his prophet, and he sent his prophet to, to warn them. He kept warning them to repent. You guys, brothers and sisters, repent. Repent of your sins, Israel. Repent. Confess your sins to God. Confess your sins to each other. You must repent. And for the most part, they didn't listen to Ezekiel. They, they didn't bother. They listened to the other false prophets who were not sent from God. And these false prophets, they were more or less saying, God's word is not so important anymore. They were kind of saying, why, you don't need to be praying and reading so much or striving to serve better or, or loving each other because look at life around us right now. It's, it's great. Life is good right now. Why change? Does that kind of sound like today? Have you ever been reading your Bible inside of Starbucks? And did, did anybody ever come over and give you kind of a strange look? Or maybe they even said to you, why do you consult that old book? This was kind of the spiritual situation in Israel. And overnight, they went from this the false pinnacle of prosperity down to this ditch of, of doubt and depression and despair and death, quite literally. God said to Ezekiel again, and the Lord knew all the while. The Lord knows. He knew how they felt. And so that's why after doing this, this clattering of the bones, this crazy demonstration, he took the time to explain it all. God provided the explanation. And he said, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel because they have said, we are dried up. We are cut off. We're, our hope is gone. So the natural question now is, do you and I ever feel dried up? Are we often feeling like some worthless bags of bones? I think one place to start if you want to get dried up is just turn on the 5 o'clock news or look at the state journal Read the front page. And, and what do you see there? Oh, another earthquake. We dry up a little bit. Another violent protest. A tragic shooting. We dry up a little bit. God's beautiful gift of marriage is being dishonored and it's left undefined once again. We're dried up a little bit. It takes only a moment to realize that this life's not a magic show. 
it's more like a never-ending slideshow of horror. There's a lot of bad news. It's an unrelenting stream of, of bad news. Little by little, we get dried up, and our life goes away. But quickly, the, the dry bone syndrome spreads from the public arena into our private life. How is, how is your life dry? How is it dry? Do you always have top-notch patience with your whiny, disobedient children? Or do you have a, a never-ending well where you can reach down and get the clean water and teach them and forgive them and clean them again and again? At work, do you, are you always sacrificing for the, for the other dry bones? Do you, do you take your time and, and say, I'm going to help my dry bone neighbors. They're so dried up. Or, well, I'm dried up too, so why should I even try? They're worthless bags of bones. Are you always doling out forgiveness, the Christ-like love, or is a 10-year-old grudge kind of wasting away at that supply? Or is it just everybody else? Is it everybody else who's, who's feeling this way? Or is it just everyone? Why does this happen? Why, why do we sometimes feel so dried up? We know the truth. Is it just bad luck? That's how the cookie crumbles? Or is it because each one of us, you and me, we are continually shoving more skeletons into our closets? Hope, hopefully nobody sees these. I'll tell you truthfully, it may hurt, but it's not just bad luck. We know the source of the dryness. We know how we get dried up. It's our own sins, and it's our own flawed nature. Maybe picture it this way. Maybe picture like a, a beautiful head it's full of life, full cheeks, and it's, it's tilted skyward, and it's just eyes are full of life, looking towards God, very thankful. It's just almost tearing up. Um, we're childlike faith, looking skyward to him for everything. But what our sins do, they kind of turn our head, they crank it down little by little, gradually, and pretty soon we become like this ghastly skull. It's kind of gruesome, and our sins make us forget about forgiveness. We almost are on the verge of spiritual blindness. And, and worst of all, I said, uh, forgiveness, we may not even think it exists anymore. And we find, we see life in, in no place. This is when God interjects that important question. And he asks, son of man, brothers and sisters, can these bones live? Can these bones live? It's a really important question, and the answer is even more important. And we take our cue from the prophet Ezekiel. Do you see what Ezekiel said? Lord, you alone know. He might have been scared, but he was able to register. Only God knows whether these bones can live, these nondescript bones all over the valley. And it's pretty amazing because Ezekiel could have been just, just equally as depressed. He was a, a depressed prophet, also on the verge of teetering and uh, despair. And he still said, Affirmatively, you put it in God's hands. Lord, you alone know these bones can live. He could have said no. He could have said no, no, no. It's hopeless, Lord. Don't even try. If you or, or me, if we ever feel hopeless, and we, we may even say, no, these bones can't live. It's a hopeless situation. At the very least, you're going to get people to agree with you. That's just our nature. It's hopeless. According to us. But according to God, when he sees the dry bones, he just says, ah, oh, time, time to go to work. More work to do here. Listen to what God said. He spoke to Ezekiel 
Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I, Ezekiel, prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. It's like God said, time to bring a little life to the party. And the real party is the wonders that God works through his word and nothing else. You know, God used his word to bring up the despairing Israelite. He also repeated that when he worked in the lives of normal shabby fishermen in the first century. He also repeats the same word to you and me in century number 21. This is the wonder that, that God works through his word. And it's always through the, the, special, the special means. It, he may do it in his own way or wisdom, but it's always through the word, once again. Do we fully realize that when, when we use the word, when we open it up, stuff starts to happen, and good stuff starts to happen? And with this text in particular, it's hard not to imagine, like picture it in our own mind. Can we try to imagine the bones, this stuff going on, the, these bones? You know, can we comprehend how bones can just kind of come together and, and breath can be breathed into them? It's really, it's strange. On the internet, YouTube, you might find videos about this idea. You'll see skeletons like dancing and playing trumpets. And it's, it's, it's funny, and they, they parody this, this part of scripture. But what's always missing is that ingredient of God's word. So it must have been one thing for Ezekiel to look at the Valley of Dry Bones. It must have been another thing to just watch as these bones started to move upward. Flesh and fat and muscle went around them. They still didn't have life, though. They were kind of like the mannequins at the store or the museum uh, the anatomy models. So it must have been one other jaw-dropping thing for, to watch as God effortlessly caused breath to enter these bodies, these skeletons now covered in flesh, and he brought life to these, these dry bones. And this is what God can do, and he simply does it. In the last part of Ezekiel 37, you may have seen God promise a lot of stuff. Like, there were at least eight promises where God just says, I will open your graves, I will bring you up, I'll bring you back, I will fill you, I'll settle you, I will do these things for you. And notice, they're all promises that have nothing, no stipulations or attachments or stuff that the Israelites or you and I do in return. He just does it. And that's how, how it goes. God does it, and he explains it just because we're going to know. We'll know that it happens. Because the Lord has spoken. God simply wants you to know. He wants you to know that the power of the word is, it brings you life. And this is the power, the word that centers around the person of Jesus. Because Jesus has defeated death, defeated dry bone syndrome. He has obliterated and pulverized every last skeleton in your closet. This is the power of God's word. Have you ever seen a, an infant sleeping in the crib, maybe it's the middle of the night, maybe it's the still of the night, the hall light is on, maybe it's your very own child, your first, maybe it's a niece or a nephew, but you kind of creep in there silently, and you look over the crib, and there's that little chest rising and falling, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Talked about it a little bit with the kids, how our heart just keeps beating. And what are, what's your thought process when you see that little infant sleeping? Is it like regret or hatred or because you're responsible for it? No, not usually. It's love 
and forgiveness that only God can provide. And there's a little child, child of God. There's a sinful child there, but it's made totally perfect through the power of God's word. And that little child's heart is beating only by, by God's grace. But this is God's word, and this is the purpose that it brings for our earthly journey right now. It's God's word that allows a grown man to pull a devotional booklet off the shelf and suggest to a bunch of other grown men, hey, let's just study Jesus around the kitchen table. It's God's word that allows for a a worn-out single parent to bring their kids into church week after week, not only because they know the word is perfect and pure and right, but also that they know that the word changes hearts, whether it's an impressionable heart of of a youth, a stubborn heart, a lifeless heart, or a hard-pressed heart to pay attention to a long sermon. Again, it's God's word that has the power. It breathes life. It allows people to just talk about Jesus outside of church, have a Christ-centered discussion in the most unexpected of circumstances. God's word allows even you, by yourself, to open up scripture and reflect to God his promises all by yourself. This is the power of God's word. God uses his word to change hearts and lives and to bring us joy and peace. And he sends his Holy Spirit to guard our hearts for all time. This is not magic or a fluke or an illusionary abracadabra up on stage. It's simply God's word for you and me. From Adam to Paul to Ezekiel to you and me. God's word breathes life. The Lord has always known this to be true, and now so do we. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.